0: section twenty seven of the genius by theodore dreiser this librivox recording is in the public domain book one chapter twenty seven the atmosphere of the house after this night seemed charged with reproach to eugene although it took on no semblance of reality in either look or word when he awoke in the morning and looked through the half-closed shutters to the green world outside he felt a sense of freshness and of shame. It was cruel to come into such a home as this and do a thing as mean as he had done. After all, philosophy or no philosophy, didn't a fine old citizen like Jotham, honest, upright, genuine, in his moral point of view and his observance of the golden rule, didn't he deserve better from a man whom he so sincerely admired? Jotham had been so nice to him. Their conversations together were so kindly and sympathetic. Eugene felt that Jotham believed him to be an honest man. He knew he had that appearance. He was frank, genial, considerate, not willing to condemn anyone. But this sex question, that was where he was weak. And was not the whole world keyed to that? Did not the decencies and the sanities of life depend on right moral conduct? Was not the world dependent on how the homes were run? How could anyone be good if his mother and father had not been good before him? How could the children of the world expect to be anything if people rushed here and there holding illicit relations? Take his sister Myrtle now. Would he have wanted her rifled in this manner? In the face of this question, he was not ready to say exactly what he wanted or was willing to countenance. Myrtle was a free agent as was every other girl she could do as she pleased it might not please him exactly but he went round and round from one problem to another trying to untie this gordian knot one thing this home had appeared sweet and clean when he came into it now it was just a little tarnished and by him or was it his mind was always asking this question there was nothing that he was actually accepting as true any more He was going round in a ring, asking questions of this proposition and that. Are you true? And are you true? And all the while, he was apparently not getting anywhere. It puzzled him, this life. Sometimes it shamed him. This deed shamed him. And he asked himself whether he was wrong to be ashamed or not. Perhaps he was just foolish. Was not life made for living, not worrying. He had not created his passions and desires. He threw open the shutters, and there was the bright day. Everything was so green outside, the flowers in bloom, the trees casting a cool, lovely shade, the birds twittering. Bees were humming. He could smell the lilacs. Dear God, he exclaimed, throwing his arms above his head. How lovely life is! How beautiful! Oh! He drew in a deep breath of the flower and privet-laden air. If only he could live always like this, forever and ever. When he had sponged himself with cold water and dressed, putting on a soft negligee shirt with turned-down collar and dark-flowing tie, he issued forth clean and fresh. Angela was there to greet him. Her face was pale, but she looked intensely sweet because of her sadness. "'There, there,' he said, touching her chin. Less of that now. "'I told them I had a headache,' she said. "'So I have. Do you understand?' i understand your headache he laughed but everything is all right very much all right isn't this a lovely day beautiful replied angela sadly cheer up he insisted don't worry everything is coming out fine he walked to the window and stared out i'll have your breakfast ready in a minute she said and pressing his hand left him eugene went out to the hammock he was so deliciously content and joyous now that he saw the green world about him that he felt everything was all right again the vigorous blooming forces of nature everywhere present belied the sense of evil and decay to which mortality is so readily subject he felt that everything was justified in youth and love particularly where mutual affection reigned why should he not take angela why should they not be together he went into breakfast at her call eating comfortably of the things she provided he felt the easy familiarity and graciousness of the conqueror angela on her part felt the fear and uncertainty of one who has embarked upon a dangerous voyage she had set sail whither at what port would she land was it the lake or his studio would she live and be happy or would she die to face a black uncertainty was there a hell as some preachers insisted Was there a gloomy place of lost souls, such as the poets described? She looked into the face of this same world which Eugene found so beautiful, and its very beauty trembled with forebodings of danger. And there were days and days yet to be lived of this. For all her fear, once having tasted of the forbidden fruit, it was sweet and inviting. She could not go near Eugene, nor he near her, but this flush of emotion would return in the daylight she was too fearful but when the night came with its stars its fresh winds its urge to desire her fears could not stand in their way eugene was insatiable and she was yearning the slightest touch was as of fire to tow she yielded saying she would not yield the blue family were of course blissfully ignorant of what was happening it seemed so astonishing to angela at first that the very air did not register her actions in some visible way. That they should be able thus to be alone was not so remarkable, seeing that Eugene's courtship was being aided and abetted for her sake, but that her lapse should not be exposed by some sinister influence seemed strange, accidental, and subtly ominous. Something would happen that was her fear. She had not the courage of her desire or need. By the end of the week, though eugene was less ardent and more or less oppressed by the seeming completeness with which he had conquered he was not ready to leave he was sorry to go for it ended a honeymoon of sweetness and beauty all the more wonderful and enchanting because so clandestine yet he was beginning to be aware that he had bound himself in chains of duty and responsibility angela had thrown herself on his mercy and a sense of honor to begin with. She had exacted a promise of marriage, not urgently as one who sought to entrap him, but with the explanation that otherwise life must end in disaster for her. Eugene could look in her face and see that it would. And now that he had had his way and plumbed the depths of her emotions and desires, he had a higher estimate of her personality. Despite the fact that she was older than he, there was a breath of youth and beauty here that held him her body was exquisite her feeling about life and love was tender and beautiful he wished he could make truer dreams of bliss without injury to himself it so turned out that as his visit was drawing to a close angela decided that she ought to go to chicago for there were purchases which must be made her mother wanted her to go and she decided that she would go with eugene This made the separation easier, gave them more time to talk. Her usual plan was to stay with her aunt, and she was going there now. On the way, she asked over and over what he would think of her in the future, whether what had passed would not lower her in his eyes. He did not feel that it would. Once she said to him sadly, "'Only death or marriage can help me now.' "'What do you mean?' he asked. Her yellow head pillowed on his shoulder her dark blue eyes looking sadly into his. That if you don't marry me, I'll have to kill myself. I can't stay at home. He thought of her with her beautiful body, her mass of soft hair all tarnished in death. You wouldn't do that, he asked unbelievingly. Yes, I would, she said sadly. I must, I will. Hush, Angel Face, he pleaded. You won't do anything like that. You won't have to. I'll marry you. How would you do it? oh i've thought it all out she continued gloomily you know that little lake i'd drown myself don't sweetheart he pleaded don't talk that way it's terrible you won't have to do anything like that to think of her under the waters of little okuni with its green banks and yellow sandy shores all her love come to this all her passion her death would be upon his head and he could not stand the thought of that it frightened him Such tragedies occasionally appeared in the papers, with all the pathetic details convincingly set forth, but this should not enter his life. He would marry her. She was lovely, after all. He would have to. He might as well make up his mind to that now. He began to speculate how soon it might be. For the sake of her family, she wanted no secret marriage, but one which, if they could not be present at it, they could at least know was taking place she was willing to come east that could be arranged but they must be married eugene realized the depth of her conventional feelings so keenly that it never occurred to him to suggest an alternative she would not consent would scorn him for it the only alternative she appeared to believe was death one evening the last when it was necessary for her to return to blackwood and he had seen her off on the train her face a study in sadness He rode out gloomily to Jackson Park, where he had once seen a beautiful lake in the moonlight. When he reached there, the waters of the lake were still suffused and tinged with lovely suggestions of lavender, pink, and silver, for this was near the twenty-first of June. The trees to the east and west were dark. The sky showed a last blush of orange. Odors were about warm june fragrance he thought now as he walked about the quiet paths where the sand and pebbles crunched lightly beneath his feet of all the glory of this wonderful week how dramatic was life how full of romance this love of angela's how beautiful youth was with him love would he go on to greater days of beauty or would he stumble idling his time wasting his substance in riotous living was this riotous living would there be evil fruition of his deeds would he really love angela after he married her would they be happy thus he stood by the bank of this still lake studying the water marveling at the subtleties of reflected radiance feeling the artist's joy in perfect natural beauty twining and intertwining in all with love death failure fame it was romantic to think that in such a lake if he were unkind would angela be found by such a dark as was now descending would all her bright dreams be submerged it would be beautiful as romance he could imagine a great artist like or balzac making a great story out of it it was even a subject for some form of romantic expression in art poor angela if he were a great portrait painter he would paint her he thought of some treatment of her in the nude with that mass of hair of hers falling about her neck and breasts it would be beautiful should he marry her yes though he was not sure of the outcome he must it might be a mistake but-he stared at the fading surface of the lake silver lavender leaden gray overhead a vivid star was already shining how would it be with her if she were really below those still waters how would it be with him It would be too desperate, too regretful. No, he must marry her. It was in this mood that he returned to the city, the ache of life in his heart. It was in this mood that he secured his grip from the hotel and sought the midnight train for New York. For once Ruby, Mary, and Christina were forgotten. He was involved in a love drama which meant life or death to Angela, peace or reproach of conscience to himself in the future. He could not guess what the outcome would be, but he felt that he must marry her. How soon he could not say. Circumstances would dictate that. From present appearances it must be immediately. He must see about a studio, announce the news of his departure to Smite and McHugh, make a special effort to further his art ambitions so that he and Angela would have enough to live on. He talked so glowingly of his art life that now when the necessity for demonstrating it was at hand he was troubled as to what the showing might be the studio had to be attractive he would need to introduce his friends all the way back to new york he turned this over in his mind smite mchugh miriam norma wheeler christina what would christina think if she ever returned to new york and found him married there was no question but that there was a difference between Angela and these. It was something, a matter of courage, more soul, more daring, more awareness, perhaps, something. When they saw her, would they think he had made a mistake? Would they put him down as a fool? McHugh was going with a girl, but she was a different type, intellectual, smart. He thought and thought, but he came back to the same conclusion always. He would have to marry her. There was no way out. He would have to. End of Section 27